the uh, gospel passage for this morning. The scripture reading is from John chapter 14, verses 15 through 27. And if you'd like to follow along, we're going to read out of the New International Version. And if you'd like to just listen, please join me. This is Jesus speaking. John 14, 15 through 27. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Those, these words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while I'm still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Let's pray together as Bill comes up. Father, thank you for this peace. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this advocate that we have, the spirit of truth, the spirit of your love, the spirit of your son and the resurrection, and the spirit that binds this community together reminding us that we are not alone. We are yours, and we are each other's. And we pray this morning that our hearts would be softened to your word, to the gospel, that we may share our lives with each other and share this word with the world around us as we lift up your name. Amen. 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 Mark, up there. How's that going? Yep. Thank you, Tommy, for the reading of the scripture, and good morning to everyone. It's so good to see your smiling, smiling, happy faces. I love lots of, uh, I love lots of uh, feedback, you know, particularly your faces. It, it, uh, it matters a lot. When I was a little kid, my two sisters and myself, we were really little, four or five, it was Time for my parents to go out on the town, and they hired a babysitter. And it's the first time that I can, like, reflect and remember a time when my parents had a babysitter, and they were going to leave, and we were going to be home alone with this babysitter. She was maybe 13 or 11 or 10. I don't know how old she was. But we were under her charge, and it's dark. Parents have been gone a while. And then we begin to hear noises. And the babysitter freaks out and thinks there's a prowler. We hear more noises, 
and I look around. The babysitter has taken my two sisters and have run up to their bedroom and are hiding in the closet. And I'm downstairs, so I don't know what to do. I hear these noises, so I quickly get underneath our dining room table and just hug myself, and I'm as small as possible, waiting for the prowler to come in and kidnap me. I'm terrified. I felt all alone. And then I hear this pounding on the door. Now I'm really scared. Well, it turns out they called the police, and now the police had shown up at the front door. And two police officers come in, and they say, it's okay, it's okay, you're not alone anymore. It's a little bit, I think, of the way that the disciples felt. When Jesus is talking with them, John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, in our series together, he's talking to them, and it seems like he's talking nonsense. He's, he, he's mentioning that he's going to die, and uh, he's going to leave them. They're going to be now on their own. It's feeling very threatening. I mean, it's chaos around them. They're in Jerusalem, and there are religious leaders hunting Jesus down. There's the Roman soldiers. And they know that there's something big that's going to happen. And they're going to be launched into their own dangerous adventure. It's a little bit like that time when you went rock climbing. Remember that? If you haven't, you really should go. And at first, you get the opportunity to climb this rock face, you know, and you got to belay and belay on, and you're climbing, and you're doing your best to try to pick your way up this massive rock face. And of course, your friends are below, and they're cheering you on. You got this. You can do it, you know, and you're going up, and you do feel quite alone up there on that rock face especially if you look down. You finally scale this face. You get to the top, and you say, well, how am I going to get down? He says, well, the the guide says, you got to get down the way you came up, basically. You mean I got to go back down? Well, you're going to repel down the face. Well, how, how do I do that? So, you know, there's an anchor on top, and he's got carabiners, and your belt is tight, and you're on the edge of this cliff. You say, well, what do I do? He says, well, what you got to do is you have to just lean backwards. What? That's a very scary moment. No, 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 you got to lean backwards. No, you, you, you can't crawl down the face of this. You've got to keep your legs straight, and you have to lean back. And I can remember this. Every time I repelled, I remember beginning to lean back, And I look up into the eyes of the guide, and I realize my life is in his hands. And then you go back. And it's the only way that you can enjoy this amazing rappel down as you bounce off the wall is to trust the guide. And that's sort of what Jesus is doing with his disciples in this moment. It might be like that time you had a conversation with your firstborn as they were about to go away to college. You think, 18 years, did I say the right things? Have I told them the right information? Have I counseled them enough? And Jesus is with the disciples, giving them sort of these final instructions as they're about to go. Last week, James talked about us going into the yonder, and he said, 
The pathway is a person. It's Jesus. And that, that trail is, is beckoning us to go beyond, to go even further. So what Jesus is doing with his disciples, and particularly in this passage, he's teaching them what it means to truly be a disciple. What does it look like for you and me to be a learner of Jesus? Essentially, a disciple is an apprentice. We are learning from Jesus what it looks like to live our lives as if he were living them for us or alongside of us. And we definitely need a guide for the journey. And so this passage Tommy has read, it's reminding us over and over again, hey, you're not alone. We have felt that moment when we have to lean back. We feel like I am all alone up here on the top of this cliff. And Jesus is wanting to tell his disciples, and he's wanting to tell you and me, each one of us today, that in that moment where you, even in a crowd like this, you have felt alone. You're not. You're not alone. He says you have the Holy Spirit, whom he called another advocate. And, you know, the passage that Tommy read, it's, it's complicated, you know, and it wasn't making sense to the disciples, and that's why you hear these questions come out from them to Jesus. What are you talking about? And hopefully I can guide us to make a little bit of sense because in this passage, I see that the Holy Spirit has a name, he has a home, he has a role, and finally he has a passion. The Holy Spirit has a passion. So first of all, his name, you see in verse 16 and verse 26, he's called the advocate. There's a great word, the advocate, but there's all sorts of ways people have translated it because it's a little bit nebulous in that way. Some translate it helper, the Holy Spirit is a helper. Some translate it, the Holy Spirit is a comforter, which is really wonderful, and sometimes you're cold, and you know, you're, you're, you're wanting to grab that comforter at the end of your bed and pull it up over you, but I don't know if that gives the great picture, because this word comforter that's used is really the Holy Spirit breathing into you when you feel all alone and you can't go on, when you're leaning back, it's to, it's to breathe courage into you so that you might be brave. Some people translate this as counselor. And, and I think really you could, you could think of it today like the Holy Spirit's like a coach. Or essentially, the Holy Spirit's your guide on the journey. When you head out on into the yonder on the trailhead, the Holy Spirit's the guide, this helpful guide. And he's called another advocate because Jesus is the first advocate. In fact, Paul talks about him being a legal advocate, like granting Jesus granting us legal advice or or he stands with us as our defender before the judge. Romans 8:34, Jesus is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us right now. And the Holy Spirit then is another advocate. We have another advocate who represents us. He continues the work that Jesus has done. So he's this defender, this comforter, this helper, who is actually continuing the work of Jesus 
for us in the world that we're living, on the adventure that we're on. You could say it this way. Jesus is our advocate with the Father, and the Holy Spirit is the Father's advocate with us. So I want to say again, you're not alone. In whatever situation you're in, his name is Advocate. He's your advocate. Now, secondly, what's his home? Where, where is the Holy Spirit's home? Notice verse 16, verse 17. The Holy Spirit, he will help you and be what? He'll be with you forever. He lives with you and he will be in you. In fact, as you listen to Tommy, if you peruse this text, you'll discover that seven times Jesus uses the phrase, he's in you. He's with you. Right now, as a disciple of Jesus, as a follower, the Holy Spirit has made a home. Really, it also means he's by your side. He's not only in you, but he's, he's right by your side. And all of you that have taught your children how to ride a bike, you kind of remember this situation, you know, where you want to you teach your little boy to ride a bike, and, and, and so you get them on the bike, and they're, of course they're scared. They don't, they don't necessarily want to do this. It feels so foreign and so dangerous to them. And you know, uh, they can learn, but they're going to fall. And so you go alongside, you got the handlebars, and your, your hand on their shoulder, and, and, and you send them. And uh, particularly if you're a dad, you know, you go, here it comes, and you let go, because you know they're just going to go and crash on the ground, you know, and skin their elbow and cry, and you're going to laugh a little bit. And get them back on, get them back on the bike, and do it again, and, you know, come on, trust me, trust me. Okay, now you've almost got it. I'm going to have my hand on the seat of the bicycle, and I'll hold on to the seat, and we'll go along, and you'll, you'll begin to get it yourself. Now, those of you that have never taught a child how to ride a bike, I have some news for you. When your dad said, I got my hand on the seat, and you said, hey, dad, don't let go. When your dad said, oh, no, no, I won't let go. He was not telling the truth. He was not holding on. You did it. You were riding on your own. The Holy Spirit doesn't lie, but his goal is to help you ride a bicycle. He's right there with you. I don't know if anyone knows Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Any fans out there? Yes, there we go. We got one. He's got a great song. It's called Home. And uh, it, I could say it's my wife's and I. It's, it's our song, you know. But there's just, there, there, it's a great song, but there's one line in there that says, home is wherever I'm with you. You know, talking about this love relationship between a husband and a wife. And, you know, sometimes the, the songs that we sing to our partners, you know, it's almost, it's, all, it's so similar to, you know, the kind of the heart felt we have with God himself. The Holy Spirit makes us home. Home is wherever I'm with you. The Holy Spirit is saying that. To you and me, whispers that to you and me all the time. See, the disciples were kind of freaking out. They're, they're sitting, having this conversation with Jesus in the shadow of the temple in Jerusalem. And you really can't understand what Jesus is doing with the disciples without understanding his relationship with the temple. Now, the temple was the place where God lived. It was the portal from this world into God's world. 
And even in the Holy of Holies, that was the place where they understood in Jerusalem, the city of David, the holy city, this is where God shows up. Jesus, of course, had had a confrontation with the religious leaders who had perverted the mission of the temple. In fact, he'd even predicted, if you continue on this path, that temple is going to be torn down. It's going to be destroyed. You're all going to be scattered. After Jesus' death and his resurrection, Paul began, the apostle, to understand and interpret this, and he got this new vision of the temple of God. Listen to what he says in chapter 2, verse 19. Paul says, in him, that's Jesus, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. There's a, it's a new temple. It replaces that one that was destroyed in 70 AD. And he says, in him, you Two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Paul had this new vision of people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue being built together stone by stone to create a brand new temple, a place where God would dwell, a place where the Holy Spirit would say, this is my home. It's why we've called this series Belong. You belong. You belong here. No matter your background, no matter where you've come from, your religious upbringing, your disenfranchisement with things spiritual, no, no, no matter what color of your skin, no matter what language, no matter what gender, you belong in this new vision of a building that we're part of. The Holy Spirit is bringing the real presence of Jesus and the Father like a parent. Jesus says in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The Holy Spirit makes our home, but Jesus says, I'm coming to you too. I think about James. James and Brave brought little Franco to the beach. Little baby through the foster system and such a beautiful picture of an orphan having a mom and a dad. And Cynthia and I are farther down the road. We adopted our little Heather out of the foster care system here in Los Angeles County, abandoned by her parents. Now she's 23, amazing journey that she's been on, working through the system and growing up and dealing with all sorts of challenges. And she has two parents that adopted her, that loved her. She's one of us. She belongs. That's what Jesus says, applied by the Holy Spirit in our lives. No matter where you've come from, you belong. In verse 23, Jesus says, my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them both individually, our hearts are Christ's home by the Holy Spirit. Your heart is a home for Jesus, applied by the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. 
It's a mystery. It's impossible to explain. It's the air we breathe. It's what's deep down inside of us. Somehow God, he doesn't reside in the temple in Jerusalem. He resides in our community. He resides somehow the mystery of God's presence. It happens not only when we gather in twos, in fives, in twelves, but in gatherings at the beach and here at the Norris and, and all over this country and all over the world. God has chosen to show up. We are not alone. Third, he has a role. He has a name, he has a home, and he has a role. Verse 17 says the spirit is the spirit of what? Of truth. And verse 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. What is his role? It's to remind us of everything that Jesus has taught. I find that so helpful. I don't have to know everything. I don't have to have it all together. I can have all sorts of questions. I can have doubts and I can throw them at God. And the Holy Spirit's job, the spirit of truth that will eventually bring us around and remind us, help us understand everything that Jesus has said to us. And it's interesting. John goes on in chapter 16 to talk more about the Holy Spirit. Verse 12, I have much more to say to you, Jesus says to his disciples. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. You know, this is the the pastor's theme verse, by the way. You know, whenever we're up here teaching, we're thinking, I have so much more to say to you. We're like film editors. We're cutting, 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 you know, and, and, and it's, it's more than you can bear. And you say, amen, you know, cut it, man. Bring it in for a landing, okay? This is more than I can bear. It's what Jesus is saying to the disciples. But here it is, here it is. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. We can be patient. We can relax. The spirit, he'll do his work. He'll he'll bring to our remembrance and he'll guide us into all truth. And he will glorify Jesus all along. The spirit never is in contradiction to what Jesus is doing. So the Holy Spirit is going to gently and persistently help us apply to our lives all that Jesus is about. This is an inside-out work, gently and persistently. Sometimes he'll yell. Sometimes it'll be loud because C.S. Lewis says sometimes God shouts in our sufferings. Sometimes the Spirit's going to say, hey, buddy, wake up. But he's gentle and he's persistent. He will continue the work. He'll never give up. He'll never leave you. He'll persistently, gently move you along. And this calls for a new posture and a new position. Our posture is one as a learner. That's a disciple. Jesus, I just want to learn. I want to learn to be like you. I want to learn how your heart beats. I want to learn to move in your direction. And, and, And it's also our position. It's alignment with the mission of Jesus. Jesus over time, by the Holy Spirit, I want you to take my life. I want you to continue to shape it so that I'm going in step with you. I'm going the direction that you are going. That is the Holy Spirit's 
role in your life. So I encourage you, learn how to listen. Learn how to listen to God. Prayer is really more about listening before we give God our request. Listen to God. Pay attention. And then be willing to respond to the nudge because the Holy Spirit is working in your life and my life right now. He's constantly speaking to us. He's constantly present. And he's moving us along in a particular direction. And he speaks to us through his scriptures, through the worship songs we sing and listen to, through conversations with others, through being out in nature. He speaks to us deep in our hearts. And in sometimes counsel with another person, another friend, we're continually testing, what is the Spirit of God speaking into your heart right now? Say, yes, Lord. Yes, God. That is the process. Don't push him away. And then finally, his passion. He has a name. He's the advocate. He has a home. It's in our lives. It's in our community. He has a role to guide us into alignment with Jesus. Finally, his passion, and his passion is to love. John's the the gospel writer of love. But seven times in this passage, Jesus says, love me, love me. Love Jesus, love God, love your neighbor, love one another. He says in verse 15, it comes out very strong. If you love me, keep my commandments. And then he says in verse 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And I find those statements a bit problematic. They're difficult for me because I passed much of my life through the filter of my performance for God. And I don't think this gets to the heart of what Jesus is saying. I don't think Jesus is saying, and hear me, prove your love to me by obedience to what I say. I don't think that's what he's saying. No, I think he's saying love is the pathway to obedience. Now hear me carefully. Love is the pathway to obedience. I think a translation is, if you keep on loving me, you will learn to obey my commands. Do you see the difference? It's a profound difference in our life. The passion of the Holy Spirit is to teach us to be lovers. That we might learn how to love. Isn't that not what Jesus said was the first and greatest command? Love God. And the second, like it? Love your neighbor as yourself. The Holy Spirit's passion is to create a community that absolutely shocks the world by how much we love. We get to love everybody. And the Holy Spirit's going to teach us how to do it. And as we learn how to love, the obedience will come along. In fact, I think we could translate this phrase. If you love me, love me. Isn't that what you want to tell your spouse? If you love me, then love me. And really, we want them to obey our commands. (laughs) Jesus, Jesus is not throwing the commands away. 
the greatest command is to love. Verse 21, the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and get this phrase, and show myself to them. See, I think the pathway to love, learning how to love is the pathway to greater intimacy with Jesus. I will show myself to them as we mature in our ability to love one another and to love Jesus, to love God. So the Holy Spirit applies Jesus' words to our lives. Jesus reveals himself to us, and there's a greater sense of connection and awareness and depth of relational courage to where Jesus' vision for your life, for this community, for the church worldwide, his vision is so much grander than we could ever imagine. Just love me, learn how to love me, and you will be amazed where I will take you because the pathway is a person and he beckons us beyond, beyond. That's why we have these buckets up here. God, increase our faith. Remember when Stefan Ruthie was here from Zurich, the seminary president? He preached on chapter 13, verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. It's the Holy Spirit's passion to help us learn how to do that. And here's the deal. We may be in this crowd and we do not know how alone a person could really feel. I think every person has experienced this. I think about students on our campuses today in the midst of trying to navigate friendships and growing up and figuring out who I am and social media is coming in as a constant barrage of either affirmation or nope, nobody likes you. And we look at, as adults, other people's feeds and we think, wow, they all go to amazing places. I am a loser. I don't go anywhere. What's my problem? We curate our lives in a way where we oftentimes cause people to just feel like I'm all alone. I want to try something with you. Matt, would you help me out? He's going to pass down these uh, aisles here. He's going to pass out some index cards and a golf pencil. And if you would just take that stack and just pass it down the row. I want everyone to have a golf pencil and, a, um, and, and, and an index card, okay? You guys, yeah, just, just you got to come really quick down the center aisle. Just give it to the last person on the row. And maybe some other people can help out if we've got some more hands. Just Yeah, just give a stack to everyone. Everyone get an index card and a golf pencil. And I want to do a quick commercial while we're doing this. If you're looking for a book to read this summer, it has very little to do with the sermon, but it'll resonate deeply. It's a book called Alone, and it's by Brett Archibald. And he was on his way to the Mentoways to do a surf trip. And in the middle of the night, he fell off the back of the surf boat. And his friends didn't discover he was gone for eight hours. And it's the story of those hours alone. It is well worth the read. The author is Brett Archibald. It'd be a good beach read during the summer. And I have a movie suggestion as well as the cards are being passed out. Everyone needs a card and a golf pencil. I have a movie recommendation. Uh, it's called Sundogs. And my 
my son's girlfriend's part of the production crew, and it illustrates what we're about to do beautifully. But if I told you too much about the film, it'd be a spoiler alert. So it's not an illustration, but it's worth uh, uh, finding it on Netflix and watching it. So you've got a card. Sun dogs. Sun dogs. Very, you'll wonder, why did he recommend this? Just stay with it. Hmm? Sun Dogs, D-O-G-S. Netflix. Netflix, yeah. And neither of this, well, this book is actually quite spiritual, but okay, they're, they're not, yeah. And neither, the movie's not faith-based at all, okay. Um, you've got a card and a pencil. What I want you to do is I want you to take the pencil, I want you to put it in your non-dominant hand. So if you're right-handed, put your pencil in your left hand, okay? If you're left-handed, like, put it between your teeth or something. No, 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 put it in your right hand. If you need help, ask someone to help you. And what I want you to do is I want you to write just one phrase without your name, without anything else on your card. Four words. I want you to write, you are not alone. With your non-dominant hand, because we're broken people. We sometimes feel alone and we don't measure up and we can't get it together. Right, just four words. You, it's not a penmanship the reason I have you write it with your non-dominant hand is because it may look really weak. And I want to do something with you. You are not alone. Now I'm going to have you get up. Just put your Bible down. Just, just a card. All you need is your card. And it uh, may be appropriate for you, even in the middle of your rows, that you're going to take a minute and get out of those rows because everyone ready? Everyone done writing? You are not alone. You got your card in your hand. Put your pencil down. And what I want you to do is I'm going to have you get up in a minute. I'm going to go find someone, someone you don't know. And don't worry. You're not going to have a long conversation. I want you to walk up to them. I want you to tell them what your name is. Hi, my name is. And I want you to look into their eye and say, as you hand them your card, you are not alone. And then trade cards. We do that. Now, not a lot of talking. Just get up, mill around the best you can, and hand someone your card and wait for my instructions.